0: This scripture reading comes from Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12, and it will be familiar to you as the Beatitudes. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Who were before you? This is the Word of God.
1: Yurtle the Turtle is the only Dr. Seuss book I remember having at our house when I was a child. Maybe there were others, but this is the only one that I remember. And I had forgotten that until this summer when we started this sermon series. The book was not originally on our list, but I lobbied for Yertle because it's such an important cautionary tale for us as individuals, as the church or any organization, and for government at all levels. It's an important book. Also, Yertle the Turtle is opposite of what a just ruler looks and sounds like in the Bible. Jeremiah tells us what just rulers act and look like from Jeremiah 22, verses 3 and 4. Thus says the Lord, act with justice and integrity and rescue the victim from the oppressor and do not oppress or mistreat resident resident aliens or the orphaned or the widows and don't shed innocent blood in this place. When the ruler takes heed of those who have been wronged and those on the margin, then according to Jeremiah, all prosper along with the righteous ruler. But Yertle is much more like the rulers the prophets cry woe to, and that's W-O-E, although it could otherwise be W-H-O-A. Listen to the next verse, verse 5 in Jeremiah 22. But if you do not heed these words, I swear by myself, says the Lord, that this house shall become a desolation. If the ruler is bad, unjust, unrighteous, the entire house, city, business, church, and in the case of Yertle the turtle, the entire pond shall become a desolation. Young Theodore Geisel grew up in a bilingual household with both English and German as a spoken language. He visited Europe between the world wars and became involved in the American political scene as an editorial cartoonist. Before he turned primarily to children's books, he penned lots of cartoons, most, most of which he continued to stand behind, some of which caused him great remorse as he aged. That too is a cautionary tale, but not our tale for today. His biographer says the trip to Europe when Theodore was in his 30s opened his eyes to the reality of fascism. The rise of Adolf Hitler and the Nazi party appalled him, that he was of German descent Appalled him. Seeing the impact of Nazism firsthand, persuaded Seuss that Hitler posed a grave danger not only for Germany, but also for the wider world. The trip was transformative for Theodore Geisel. Upon returning to the US, Geisel's work in the fight against fascism both galvanized his commitment to various social issues and motivated him to write books for children that encouraged readers to challenge certain structures of power. That's interesting, isn't it? He was a political cartoonist who felt like his word could best be served by writing children's books. Yertle the Turtle and last week's featured book, The Sneeches, are both examples of human made power structures. The Sneeches of a people in power, Yertle of a person in power. Just to be clear, as we said in the beginning of this sermon series, Dr. Seuss is not scripture. And just to be clear, we're thinking about those empowered, those who are duly elected, hired, chosen, or those who just have it because they're charismatic, or through birth in some countries, for everyone in a place of power. Here is a sampling of words of caution we hear in scripture regarding rulers or those in power. Proverbs 28, 5. Like a roaring lion and a rushing bear is a wicked ruler over poor people. Isaiah 10, 1. Woe to those who enact evil statutes and those who constantly record unjust decisions. Micah 7:3. Concerning evil, both hands do it well. The prince asks, also the judge, for a bribe. And a great man speaks the desire of his soul, so they weave their evil together. Isaiah 1.23 Your rulers are rebels and companions of thieves. Each one loves a bribe and chases after rewards. They do not defend the orphan, nor does the widow's plea come before them. Ezekiel 22.27 Her princes within her are like wolves tearing the prey. By shedding blood and destroying lives in order to get dishonest gain. Isaiah 3:14, The Lord enters into judgment with elders and princes of his people. It is you who have devoured the vineyard. The plunder of the poor is in your houses. To be clear, this is just a sampling. All through the Bible or cautions about unjust leaders. So think of those scriptures as we consider Yertle. At the beginning of our tale, Yertle was the king of all he could see, and that seemed to be okay. The water is still. The pond, though you couldn't see the pictures, looked pretty serene, a place you or I would be happy to sit at a bench And look out, or if we were a turtle, would be happy enough swimming around. But one day, that was not enough. And Yertle wanted to see more. Yertle wanted to rule over more, so he began imposing his vision and piling up turtles As Yertle begins to see more, a cow, a mule, a bush, a cat, he begins to understand less. He begins to care less about his fellow turtles. He becomes irrational and driven by his desire for more. Selfishness, greed, delusions of grandeur, narcissism take over. And then those desires become a driving force. So, maybe at one time, Yertle was content with who he was and what he had. He looked like all the other turtles, but when he begins oppressing others, he changes. His face changes. He begins barking orders and edicts. He turns ugly, and he turns the whole pond ugly. Once he has built his strange and wobbly throne literally on the backs of others, we see him for what he is selfish, greedy, careless, narcissistic, the kind of ruler the Old Testament cautions against. It could happen to the best of us. If we were not grounded in the building up of others rather than building ourselves up, it could happen. To us, Yertle built his throne on the backs of others, which was destined for failure all along. What kind of ruler puts himself first, literally climbing on top of others to get to the top? And where is our grounding in scripture and in the love and words of Christ? If we are not to be this kind of ruler, Or more likely, we are the other turtles. If we are not to serve, not to support this kind of ruler, the kind of ruler cautioned against in the Old Testament, what does a good and a just ruler, a Christ-like ruler, look like and sound like? What does a good ruler do? Well, we don't exactly have that description But what we do have as our scripture for today, the Beatitudes, and they come, these words come from Jesus. They come from a place and a source of love. So if you are the one in power or seek to be in power, you either strive to be blessed or strive to serve those who are blessed, to be a blessing for the blessed. Listen again for... The words from our scripture today from the Gospel of Matthew. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Again, most of us are not Yertle. Some are, but most aren't. Most of us are the turtles in the pond swimming around, just going about our lives in the best way we know how, with the resources we have. But the Beatitudes, the blessed R's, are reminders to us that God doesn't see us or our pond in the way that we do. God doesn't see our fellow turtles in our pond and in ponds everywhere the same as we do. And we need the reminder that God's blessings may not look or sound like what we think a blessing should look like and sound like. I don't know about you, but I want to be filled, to receive mercy, to see God. I want to be comforted when I mourn, to be a child of both the earth and the kingdom. And I want each of you to be beside me in all that. To be sure, I do not look forward to being poor in spirit for mourning, for hungering, for thirsting because it sounds like there's more than just a little pain in all of that. But I do like the idea that if you hold me up, I'll hold you up. That we show mercy to each other, and I will not try to climb up on your back and make your load heavier. That we are children together that we can seek peace and justice together, that we can be companions in our pond and in our world. I choose the word companion today because it is a table word, and it is a table day. As we find ourselves here at this table, the word companion comes from the Latin com, which means mates, and penis which means bread, com, panis, companion means breadmates. That is what we are are when we are here at the table and what we are in life. We are breadmates. Karen Scheib, a professor at Candler, where I'm in the doctoral program, says, Companions are those with whom we break bread, sharing a substance that sustains our body. When we eat together, we talk, sharing events of the day, telling tales of the past and hopes of the future. Companions share a substance that sustains our lives and our souls, the stories we have been, the stories we are, the stories we hope to become. We find ourselves again at this table as companions With each other but also as companions with Christ in love for each other and for the world we are in the same pond Yertle forgot or maybe he was never taught that he wasn't only a ruler that he too was to be a companion we are companions in this life together Seeking the blessings of table and fellowship together. Seeking to be blessings for others in this place and beyond. Seeking the blessings, the reminders of companions and our community. That we are not in this alone. That we should not seek personal gain at the expense of our companions. That the world is big, And our pond is small, and it's filled with others who are very much like us. That leaders who do not recognize our fellow companions as their fellow companions need not be our leaders. That part of who we are as companions is to cry out for those who mourn, who hunger, who thirst, who are persecuted. The part of who we are as companions is not to hold up rulers, not to be a throne holder-upper of the unjust. That as companions, we are sometimes called to, like the little turtle named back on the bottom of the pile who burped, we're called to make a little noise and commotion now and then. The part of who we are as companions is to rejoice And be glad together. Did you hear that? That's how the Sermon on the Mount ends. After all the seeking justice and mercy, after all the mourning together and hungering and thirsting, we're to rejoice together in that. To rejoice and be glad at the table, in our pond, in our gathering, in our likeness and in our differences. We are companions, breadmates, sharers of life.